All right. Well, welcome this morning. I am super pumped today for a number of reasons. Worship was awesome. Thanks. I'm glad, so, so glad Corinne was able to come and, and be with us today. But also, um, today, as I mentioned earlier, Josh is going to be speaking to us. And uh, I don't know, Josh, this is what, third, fourth time? Yeah, third or fourth time. Uh, you guys all know Josh normally leads worship, uh, one of our worship leaders here. And uh, every time he speaks, I just, I love it. It's, it's wonderful. It's like refreshing and different uh, each time. So I'm excited for Josh to speak. Uh, the connection cards are the yellow cards in front of you. The seat in front of you are on the table. If you'd like to fill out a connection card, uh, you can drop those in the buckets on your way out. Those of you online joining us, we want to welcome you. I know no, uh, a few of you are sick today. Just want to say we love you so much. Glad for technology that you're able to join us uh, from home. And uh, I want to invite Josh up. And would you give him a warm Vine Church welcome as he comes? All right. Thank you, Nathan. Um, I apologize because I don't have slides today, which means you're going to have to be looking at me most of the time, when I'm sure, which I'm sure my wife doesn't mind. But I'm sorry for the rest of you. There we go. That's what, that's what I was expecting. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to take us on a, on a little bit of a journey here, and I apologize if some of this is a little bit disjointed because um, I kind of had to rework everything I was talking about last night uh, just because of where I felt like God was leading me. Um, and so uh, I, think, I think probably the best place to go is just to start in Scripture. And so I'm going to read, starting in 1 Samuel 21, um, I'm going to read a little bit of this, but I'll give some, give some context first to what's happening. Okay, so in the story right now, this is David. This is David's story of how he becomes king. And David is right now running from Saul. Saul has tried to kill him twice with a spear at this point. Um, and... Jonathan, Saul's son, has helped David escape uh, and told him that his father was after him. So, so let's just pick up right here in 1 Samuel 21. Um, we're going to go 1 through 6 here. So David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone, he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I am here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Okay, so first of all, um, I love that, that the Bible's not going to shy away from David's bad parts, right? So this is something that David did. David lied. He lied about the king. He lied about his, he, he bore false witness against his neighbor, right? That's one of the, one of the commandments. He said, the king told me to come here on a secret mission and, you know, I, I, I can't tell you what it's about, but, you know, so I love that, I love that the Bible doesn't shy away from that. And yet it's still, the scripture still calls him the man after God's own heart. Right? So, in any, anyway, so moving on. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest said, but there is the holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women. So, it's, this is kind of all ritualistic. Uh, the Jewish people have some, some ritualistic stuff about who can eat uh, and, and be uh, in certain positions or places based on cleanliness and things like that. And I'm not going to get into all that, but just know that's just kind of Jewish tradition stuff that's going on there. Um, so verse six, since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence, which was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. So this bread of the presence, what they're talking about here is this, it's this bread that was made out of um, 
flour and they actually put pure frankincense on the top of it uh, and put it before God. Every, every Sabbath, every Saturday, they would put it before God in the temple and they would leave it there before him. And when they put the new bread in the next week, they would take it out and that bread would be for the priests to eat. The priests were supposed to eat that. It was only for them. Um, and, and so there's this other thing, you know, uh, the last time I talked about David, I talked about him being this, this shadow of, of Christ, right? He's kind of this prophet, priest, and king. He was these three things that, that all together that normally were separate, and that's what Jesus was for us. And so, uh, you know, you often hear in Scripture Christ called the son of David, right? And it's this idea that, that he was somehow this um, successor, not necessarily directly. It wasn't always related to genealogy, but he was the successor of David. David was kind of like this, this fuzzy image in the past of what the future Jesus was going to be. And so it's interesting, right? So here's David again acting like a priest. He's eating the holy bread. Um, and so, you know, jumping forward into Jesus' time, we have this interesting story where, where Jesus brings up David and, and, and in 1 Samuel 21. Um, and I want to read that too. And, and, and so it says that about that time, this is Matthew 12, uh, if, you're, if you're reading along, Matthew 12, verse 1 and 2 right now. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. <clears throat> but the Pharisees saw them do it and protested, said, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. <clears throat> okay, first of all, why were the Pharisees mad about this? Um, well, the first reason, obviously, is because they were looking for a reason to be offended. They already didn't like Jesus, right? They were trying to find a reason to pin him down and, and, and discredit him. Um, but what they used to do that was something, uh, it was like, the, it was basically a law of the Jews that wasn't necessarily the original scripture, right? You have the first five books of the Bible, they called it the law. And that was what you're supposed to follow as, as a Jew. And there were other things that the priests added on top of that. For instance, uh, the scripture says you shouldn't work on Sabbath, right? You shouldn't work on Sabbath. Uh, but the the priest the, the, would, would say, well, not only should you not work on Sabbath, you shouldn't even touch a tool that you could use to work on Sabbath because you might accidentally break the Sabbath. You might accidentally break the law. So don't even touch the tool, right? And so here's this kind of idea of like, well, you're taking it a little bit of a step further than what Scripture said, right? There's, there's a problem here. You're going a little bit further than you should have, right? And so it's kind of this idea of God, like God saying, Jesus is kind of like, they're complaining about their, their tradition, right? It's their tradition. It's the thing they've always done. It's the thing that everyone around them does. It's the thing that they think everyone else should do at the same time. And, and it's interesting because <laughs> the scriptures start with about that time. It starts with about that time Jesus was walking through. So if you go back to Matthew chapter 11 and you look at verse 30, the last thing Jesus has said before this time is, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So it's this ironic thing that's going on that Jesus is telling people, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, come to me who are, who are weary. And these, these, these Pharisees are coming up to him and saying, yeah, but should you really be eating grain from a field on a Sunday? You're kind of working. Like they're, they're putting this extra thing on top of you. They're adding this extra yoke on top of them saying, don't you want to also follow these things? So Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. 
Haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. Right? So this is another place in scripture where Jesus is comparing himself to the temple. There's, a, there's another place where he says, I'm going to tear it down in three days and rebuild it. And, and so this is, this is putting himself at a high station. It's, it's, there's other scriptures where it talks about the Jews were angry with him because he uh, claimed to be God, right? And, and, that, and they were angry with him because he broke the Sabbath. Um, and so here he is claiming, and this is kind of one of those places where he's claiming, you know what, like, the priests are allowed to work in the tabernacle on the Sabbath to fulfill their duties, and I'm here, I'm, I'm greater than the temple, I'm greater than the tabernacle. So, he says, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Right? So this is really offensive to, to, the, to the priests and the Jews because he's saying, uh, I, I, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm basically, he's basically saying, I'm God and I am allowed to, to do this and I want mercy and not sacrifice. He's referencing an old scripture in Hosea. Um, if you want to read it, it's Hosea chapter 6. It's an old prophecy about Jesus. Um, and it says, and it's really, it's, it's a prophecy about Jesus in this way, but it's also something that Israel was struggling with at the time. It says, I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifice. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Right? And, and, and another translation of this, another book in Mark, it's in chapter, uh, chapter 2, I believe, in Mark, and it says, uh, uh, don't you know that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? And what Jesus is basically explaining to these guys is, listen, this was built to help you find God. This was not built to help you find rules. This was not built to help you find this, this structure to live in and never, be, never like go away from it, never break out of it, never look to God and see his face, right? It's, it's like putting, it's like putting a, a massive, you know, the Alexander Shannara billboards, right? They're everywhere. Like, just like billboards. It's like putting a massive billboard in front of God saying like, okay, here's God. But instead you put this massive billboard with all the rules you're supposed to follow on it. Right? And so these, these priests are, are complaining at Jesus about tradition, about the things they've always done, about the rules. Why are you not following the rules? And I think, I think, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Nathan would agree with me, but tradition is not the same as the word of God, right? And there's, 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 there's certain uh, churches that might do that, you know, certain uh, like Catholic or Orthodox churches that take this tradition, this tradition, elevate it to the same as the word of God. And, and that's, not, that's not what scripture teaches. Um, but tradition is not the same of word of God, as, as, as the word of God. I'll give you some examples. Um, closing your eyes when you pray is not a, an ordinance of scripture. Uh, having worship be at the beginning of the service, having worship music at all, having a contemporary Christian, it, these are things that we've created because they help us to find God. They help us to look and find his face. They, look us, they help us to look and find who he is. They teach us about him. The songs we sing have, have powerful messages in them that talk about God bowing our heads and closing our eyes when we pray is about focusing and making sure our attention is on God and not on the things around us, right? So, yeah, there's tradition, but there's good tradition too. So God didn't come just to remove all of tradition and say you should only do 
be free of all rule and all law and all things. In fact, he said he came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to remove anything. So if you're taking notes, one thing I want, I want to point out to you here is that it's not okay to let your traditions stand in front of your relationship to God, just like that billboard. There's those things that, I, oh, there's the things that I've always done, or this is how my father did it, or this is how my uh, church has always done it. It's a good idea sometimes to examine the things we've always done and say, do they line up with Scripture? Do they line up with the Word of God? As a personal scenario, something that I went through was I had always somehow, somehow in my mind, I had always felt like I needed to somehow earn salvation, somehow earn approval from God, somehow that I needed to clean myself up in order to be accepted, right? And, and this is something that, that somehow I instilled a tradition in my life of waking up in the morning, cataloging everything I did wrong the previous day, sweating over it, wondering if I was going to get into heaven because I couldn't stop sinning, right? And this is something that I had set up as a tradition in my life to, to go through, to continually run through this day after day, that so much so that it consumed me to the point where I couldn't look God, look at God. I couldn't, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even imagine that God would want to look at me right? And this is me, this is me believing that I'm, I'm saved, right? At the same time, it's this paradox of like, I know I'm saved. I believe I'm saved. I believe that I, that God has saved me. But like, at the same time, like this tradition of running through the things I've done wrong and the sins that are in my life just consumed me to the point that I couldn't even see God behind it. So don't let those traditions, don't let those things, those habits that you form, those things that you put in front of God keep you from your relationship with God. Just like Jesus here was saying, don't worry about uh, if, they're, if they're washing their hands correctly before they eat the grain. Don't worry if they're, they're picking the grain uh, on the Sabbath because the way I see it, these men are hungry and they're coming humbly before God. They're coming humbly and they're not coming with some kind of pride or action in order to accomplish something for God. Um, there's another instance of this in Scripture, of this same kind of thing in Mark chapter 7. Um, and it's, it's this idea that basically the disciples had started eating grain again after Jesus was teaching. And again, a tradition of the Pharisees and of the teachers of the law was that you always cupped your hands and poured water over your hands before you ate anything. And they weren't doing that. They were just eating off of the, the grains, which was allowed by the law. So they weren't doing anything wrong there. But they were breaking the tradition of the people. They were breaking this, this, this habit down. And they came against them and said, uh, why aren't your disciples doing these traditions? Why aren't they following the traditions of the, of, of the priests and, and, and doing this? And this is what Jesus says. I, you know, this being the second time it happened, I can imagine Jesus being a little upset, which is why... Uh, this is written with exclamation points. <laughs> but Jesus says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And what they, what they would do 
in that time is that the priests would say, oh, well, you're, well, you know, here's what the law says of you, but you're also supposed to give this much money. And so if your parent is, uh, you know, if your parent is, has no money and is going to starve, uh, and all you have is the offering you were going to give to God, you can't give that to your parents. You have to give it to God. But the law said that you were supposed to take care of your parents, that you're supposed to provide for them, that you're supposed to give them the food and, and the money to survive, right? So here's these priests not only now saying, oh, everyone has to follow these traditions that are, that are more um, restrictive than what God asked us to. Not only that, but you have to ignore what God told you in order to follow these traditions, right? And that's where my heart was in this whole thing I talked about before. My heart was like I had somehow ignored Scripture and God and this idea that we're free from sin and this Rome, in, in Romans when it talks about we're free from sin all throughout Romans uh, chapter 6 and that we're free from it and that God has set us free and that we've joined with Christ. And I had ignored that somehow and somehow brought myself back into this idea that I have to count up my transgressions and if I'm not somehow making them go down and make them lesser, that I'm not going to be saved and that God's not going to listen to me. He's not going to see me. And that's the, that's, the, that's the place I was in, right? Letting the things that I think trump what God is doing. And it's such a, such a powerful thing, and, and I, I, would, I would venture to say that everyone in here struggles with this because it's not something that's easy to break, of having a thought, having a, a habit, having a tradition put into you, whether it's by your own doing or, or, or teaching that you didn't realize was not correct or whatever it was, but you're pushing into this, this idea that's not scriptural, that's not God's mercy and grace, right? So Jesus, uh, Jesus kind of gets on to him here, and he, he gets on to him about this thing where they're telling people that they should neglect their parents in order to give the, the gifts. Um, and he goes on in, in, in Mark chapter 7, verse 14, he says, Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said. And try to understand, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled from what comes from your heart. Other translations say it's from what, it's what inside that defiles you. What comes out of your body defiles you. It says that you can eat bread and it goes through your body. It doesn't go into your heart. But what's in your heart, that's what, that's what comes out. That's what defiles you. So here, here we are, back in Samuel First Samuel chapter 21, and David is asking for bread from the priest. Um, and just so you know, the way David did it was wrong. The, the way David did it was not right. In fact, he got a lot of people killed for doing it that way. There were, there were the whole, a whole just family of priests was killed because he lied and told them that Saul had sent him. But in any case, so, so David's not free from blame here. And God's not saying that David is okay to lie about things in order to get what you want. So don't hear that. But what he is saying, right, is don't confuse the commandments of the Lord with man's tradition. Right? In other words, okay, take, for example, the traditions that God, the things that God has given us, things that we might count as traditions of the church or Christianity, uh, uh, let's say the Lord's Prayer, communion, uh, the Great Commission, and I'm sure you could find others that Jesus had given us and talked about. These things are not tradition. These things are things that God has asked us to do. 
The Lord's Prayer is a powerful thing that we can't just ignore as, oh, that's a tradition of the church, and it's, it's something that we can, you know, have and do, and it's okay to do that. No, that's something that's, that's holy and God set apart for us to have. It's, it's inheritance for us to be able to use and to be able to seize that this is the way you should pray. So don't, don't do the opposite either, right? Don't go in and do the opposite of this. You, you, can't, you can't form your own traditions and, and trump God's law, but you can't do the opposite either. You can't say that God's law is tradition so we can, you know, we can push it to the side. So, you know, ah, well, the Lord's Prayer, you know, who really, that's, I don't really need that anymore because I know how to pray. You know, maybe to an extent that can be true, but God gave it to us for a reason. And there's a reason why he gave us certain things to do. There's a reason why we have communion. There's a reason why we remember God. When we, when we, when we say the verse at the end of the message every day, that's a tradition that, that, that Nathan has said, hey, we're going to do this. And it's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it draws us closer to God. It puts our attention on him. It gives us hope. It helps us to know the scripture. It's something that God has impressed on him that he should do. That doesn't mean it's the law of God and we should never treat it that way but it's a good thing. So, so hear what I'm saying. There's a balance here of understanding the law and understanding tradition and how there's good in the tradition that we have, but we can't let it cover up God, right? So that's the second thing I kind of wanted to, to, the point I wanted to make, the second kind of, if you're taking notes, the big thing here is don't confuse the commandment of the Lord with man's tradition. Don't confuse those two things. So yeah, anyway, we're back in Samuel 21. Uh, he's back here again. I, I skipped forward a little bit before, but we're back in Samuel 21. So he lied to the king. He bore fault witness. It caused the death of Ahimelech and all his family, uh, except for one who survived. The reason why Saul was not going to be king anymore, the reason why David was anointed king, was Saul pretended to be a priest. Saul, Saul decided he got tired of waiting on someone to come visit him, and he made a sacrifice. Um, he got tired of the priest, and I believe it was, it was um, Samuel who was supposed to come and help him sacrifice and do the sacrifice for him, but he got tired of waiting on him, and he did it himself, and that is when God said, you're not going to be king anymore, David's going to be king. So why is Saul torn down from kingship when he takes the role of a priest when he shouldn't have? And David is shown mercy. Why, why does that happen, right? There's this, there's this story, this huge big deal that they make about Saul. And there's another king, Uzziah, who, who did the same thing. He, was a, he acted as a priest. And he was punished for it. But David is given mercy. And it's because of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, it's, I want you to offer mercy, not sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God, the, the third thing I want us to, the third point, the notes, if you're taking them, God judges us by our hearts, not our appearance. David, though he sinned going in, and though he sinned doing what he did, David did not come with pride he did not come with an action that he thought was going to justify him in the eyes of the Lord. He was not trying to justify himself. He came in need, and he asked, and he received. 
and God showed him mercy for it. So God judges by our hearts, not our appearance. And we can't do anything that makes us pure. We can't, we can't do anything that gives us salvation. We can only receive it, right? And here's David standing thousands, thousands of years before Christ, at least hundreds, probably thousands. I didn't actually look it up this time. Um, but he's standing there and, and he's the shadow of Christ saying, I'm weary and I'm, I'm burdened and I need help. And he's asking and he received something holy. He didn't, uh, it's not like something that's holy touches you and it becomes defiled. If something's holy and it touches you, you become holy. In the same way that if we reach out and we touch God, he's not going to become defiled. We become holy if we reach out and touch God, right? We can't do anything to make ourselves pure. And so, you know, I think about the times that I've been in places where I've put up in front of myself things that I thought were good and righteous and holy, and I thought were great things, and I realized that it was just me trying to make something happen. I realized it was just me trying to redeem myself. And that's what I want you to hear, if anything, today, is that coming before God in humility, coming before God in, in, without trying to make yourself into something, that's where we find mercy. Coming before God in pride and trying to take an action to make him see you as justified, that's where we find uh, no mercy. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to say that, but that's where we find ourselves lost. So, I had a story I was going to tell, but I don't think I'm going to tell that story. I think I'm going to pray instead. Um, sorry, that's why I was taking a minute. I had, uh, I had an example, but if you want to hear the story, you can ask me afterwards, because it's a good story. Um, so let's say this. Jesus is, 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 is not here defending sinning. He's not defending continuing to make mistakes, just like Paul said in Romans chapter 6, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Right? He's not defending that. He's not saying you should continue to do bad things and it's okay if you do bad things because he freed us from that. We're free from that. What he is saying is that if we approach God humbly and in need, we'll find mercy. And don't let the things that people tell you are required for that mercy, uh, confuse you. Don't let the things that your own heart tells you about what's required to find that mercy drive you from it because it's there. And I promise you, I, I promise you, you'll live a whole lot more free that way. You'll live a whole lot more 
open to God, you'll have a lot less worry and God will show you mercy. So, I'm going to pray. Um, Jesus, you're holy and magnificent. Father in heaven, you're holy and magnificent. And we praise you. We worship you. Because you are holy. Help us to keep your name holy in our lives, set apart, magnified. Bring your kingdom onto this earth. And do your will in our lives in a way that changes us and transforms us. And provide for us the things we need to live for today. Because we come humbly forgive us where we don't. Help us to find those places, God, where there's tradition and there's um, habits in our lives that we're not receiving your mercy, but we're trying to make something happen on our own. We're trying to make ourselves more holy in order to receive you when you've already opened yourself up to us and said, here, take all of me. Help us to find those places to this week this month in our lives and move forward free from the burden and looking at your face and not all the things that people stack up in front of it. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. That was wonderful. Let's give Josh a hand. <laughs> this is great stuff. You know, as Josh was talking, I began to think about, man, uh, how powerful that was, the traditions we have standing in between us and God. But also beginning to think of, like, man, all the commands of Jesus, as you said, you know, you said uh, 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 the Lord's Prayer, Great Commission. You know, I'm beginning to think of, man, there's, there's New Testament commands that we're supposed to do. And so many times those get lost in the midst of all of our other traditions and they don't get uh, as much, you know, probably, they don't, they don't get as much uh, playtime, right? Like we don't talk about them as much as we probably should because those are things like, man, these are things Jesus commanded us to do. Like I talked about last week that we're supposed to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the fields. It's like, man, I've read that a hundred times, but in all the rest of my, the stuff that I do, I just forgot that's a command of Jesus. Like Jesus commanded us to do some things and we should be focusing on those things because they, they not only point us to God, but they aid us in fulfilling his mission, uh, you know, for our lives. So it was great. It was wonderful. Well, it's cold out there today. Yesterday was super cold. Today's supposed to be a little warmer. I hope it warms up. Would you stand with me this morning? Last thing we do before we go, as Josh said, you know, it's a tradition that uh, Josh uh, told us we shouldn't do. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, tradition we're starting just for 2022. But I think real quick, what we're going to do is read the scripture verse. This is our theme verse for this year. We'll read it out loud together. But it's a good tradition that helps us memorize scripture. But if in any way we think, well, we have to do this in order to 
whatever, name anything, to be forgiven, to be saved, that's when it becomes the problem, right? Well, I, well, I have to do this. Well, that's not, that's not biblical. So well, we're going to, you know, just remind ourselves that Jesus is with us. Uh, we're going to read it out loud together. One, two, three, go. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with you always. Let's make a difference this week, all right? I love you. Grab some snacks and coffee, and uh, let's go.